0: This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys. It's me, Allison, from Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here with this week's guest, Art Alexakis. Art, why should they listen this week? Well, to be honest with you, one, because you're fabulous. The whole crew here is fabulous. And secondly, uh, you ask some really good questions, and uh, I talk about my range and in- my rage and anger, and I talk about uh, food. We talk about potatoes. We talk about sex. I mean, come on, where do you get that? Right. You can't get that on the street corner. I've looked for it. No <laughs> potatoes. Come for the potatoes. Yeah. Stay for the sex. <laughs> Subscribe to Allison Rosen is your new best friend on iTunes or go to AllisonRosen.com. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. I love you. Allison's your new best friend. From Level 5 City in Glendale, it's This Week with Larry Miller. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America and everyone who's never had anything to drink at a wedding. Hi, folks, and welcome back to This Week with Larry Miller. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And you know something? Once again, that music just brings me up, makes me happy and thrilled to be in show business. Admittedly, on the drive over here, I was happy and thrilled to be in show business, and I'm always happy and thrilled to be in show business. Can't say it correctly a lot, but you know what? That music, boy, oh, boy. Makes me happy and thrilled to be in show business. And, of course, uh, they do get better every week. That's the Andy Devine Orchestra and the Linda Carter Dancers, featuring boy tenor Preston Osborne, asking the musical question, Does a falsetto have trouble telling the truth? Well, there's so much in that. I have to go back. Join me, won't you? First of all, the Andy Devine Orchestra, the Colonel and I were just saying, he brought up seeing Andy Devine in something and hearing his voice on tapes from old Jack Benny radio shows. And I agreed. I thought, you know, God bless him. He was always great. If you don't know Andy Devine by the name and can't match him, match him rather to the actor and the performer and the artist, the voice artist, he's so good. He was, oh, Lord. He was, if you ever saw the man who shot Liberty Valance, a great movie on so many levels. Andy Devine plays the local sheriff, but it's sheriff in quotes. He's really not anything at all. He comes by for a free meal every night, and he's got a wife and 37 kids or something like that, and he's just great in everything he ever did. And, ha. Uh, I- Such a recognized, I can't do it, but such a recognizable voice. What a presence he still is. He's passed on long since, and uh, God bless him. But boy, oh boy, that Andy Devine was always great in everything he was in. Could act anywhere up and down the scale in comedy or drama. By golly. Oh, well, the Colonel and I both just love him. And we hope you do, too. And the Linda Carter Dancers. Good Lord, I mentioned Linda Carter a week or two ago. And uh, I took home, uh, the colonel printed me, well, a picture of her doing publicity photos for Wonder Woman. And it was her in the Wonder Woman outfit being mauled, I guess, or attacked by a gorilla. And you know, look. That's again, it's show business. That's fine with me, but yeah, it's a gorilla, a guy in a gorilla suit, and he's got his arms around her waist there, and she's getting ready to battle him. But she she's cocking a fist, and but looking, folks, so beautiful, and both in in everything in her body. You just you thinking in her face, and and as an actress, you think, boy, oh boy, she was just gorgeous. So that made the colonel and I think about it again. That made the colonel and me think about it again. And uh, that's when the colonel said, uh, how about making her the uh, dance instructor or the lead of the dancers today, the Linda Carter dancers? And I said something more or less like, fine with me. I brought that home. I brought that picture home. And my wife said uh, something that was so sweet and funny, like, What's that? And uh, I told her, and she 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 likes Linda Carter, too. But not as much as me. And not as much as you. And one of the reasons that we just picked the boy tenor, Preston Osborne, this week, uh, Colonel Jeff said to me at one point, What do you think of that question? Does a falsetto have trouble telling the truth? And... I, as soon as I read it, and still, right now, I have no idea really what it means, but I thought the name Preston Osborne was perfect for a show like mine, like this today. You know, what a great name. That name, Preston Osborne, a, even a terrific writer can't write a name that show busy. It's a, and I mean that as a compliment. Preston Osborne, boy, oh boy, you have to be in show business with that name, don't you? You can't be a butcher, or you can't as great as every job is in America, with a name like Preston Osborne, get into show business, and his question though, does a falsetto have trouble telling the truth, and so I guess it means falsetto meaning false, falsetto meaning a lie, falsetto meaning untrue, and that's why, Preston is curious, does a falsetto have trouble telling the truth? And I would say, right off the bat, I would say the trouble a falsetto has is, true or false, the trouble he has is getting anyone to ever listen to him. Because if he has a voice, uh, oh, hi, how are you? If he's always talking like that, he's just not someone who's going to inspire a lot of confidence. No one's leaving a meeting with him saying, you know what? He would be a good nominee for Supreme Court. No, no one's saying that. So my, does a falsetto have a trouble telling the truth? My answer to that, Preston, if I may call you by your great name, my answer to that, to that is I don't think he has trouble telling the truth. he just has trouble finding someone to tell it to and married single dating, father, whatever he is it's also someone you can't you can't have a guy with a voice like that be a boy scout leader you you can't you just can't do all sorts of things so does a falsetto have trouble telling the truth? No, does a falsetto have trouble? Pretty much doing anything else? Yes. So (laughs) I hope that works for you. And by L.A. Podcast Festival, which is on September 28th. And I and Colonel and Doctor are going to be doing our show for them. That's a Sunday afternoon. If you're in the Los Angeles area and want to come over, though, get in touch with them at LAPodFest.com. Dot com, that's l a p o d f e s t dot com. I know it sounds silly, but that was fun to spell. You go to LAPodFest.com dot com and get yourself a few tickets and come on over and say hello. And when you say hello to us, we will know that you are part of the team, part of the family, part of the Larry Miller Drinking Society. And that's on the 28th of September. I'm glad we're going to be there. I'm glad I'll be doing the show. And you know what? I'm glad you'll be there, too. And by Amazon. That's right. Amazon. Still the greatest company in the world because you order what you want. They send it to you, and they send us a percentage of whatever you order. I think everyone is happy with that. I know we are, and I know you are, and I know they are. Well, that's everyone. So you know what? What you do is go to Amazon. No, you don't. What you do is you go to our website, LarryMillerPodcast.com. dot com. Who's on the mountain, Tom Mix? You go to LarryMillerPodcast.com, dot com, and we have a banner that says Amazon. You click that, and we will take you to Amazon. We get up, the signal goes right to our homes, and Dr. Chris, Colonel Jeff, and I get up in the middle of the night, if need be. We get together again here at the studio, and we take you to Amazon. And when you get there, then you let your imagination run wild, pick whatever you want, and we get part of the dough. And by PayPal. One of the best companies around because it makes you feel good. You actually do. It's like deserving a blessing. You get it sort of like the best charity in the world. They take your dough and send it around. And our suggestion, my suggestion, whenever we, we get together and talk about it, which is, come to think of it, once a week, my suggestion is always what you do is go to your favorite bar at 2 or 3 in the afternoon, when there's no one really in there and there's no one at the bar anyway, and the bartender's just setting up for that night or for happy hour. And what you do is you walk over to him and ask how much a drink is, what they charge for a drink. And when he tells you, you multiply that by 3 and send it to us. That means it's buying a drink for Colonel Jeff, Dr. Chris, and me. And I think, once again, everybody's happy with that. But what you do is, folks, sending your money to the best places, buying good things or sending it to good causes is, frankly, the best thing you can do with money ever. And, of course, I'm adding that, that one of the requirements is that we get part of the dough. That suddenly makes it the best thing to do with money ever, which brings us to my favorite part of the show, Well, the truth is, you know what? Every part of this show is my favorite part of the show. That is no kidding around. That is not lip service. So my favorite part of the show, within every favorite part of the show I like, it's time for the joke of the week. That's right, the joke of the week, the weekly joke, the joke that comes once a week, and it comes now. And uh, I like this joke a lot. And a friend of mine... Suggested on a site I'll tell you about, and I saw it being. Oh, I'll explain this later, but I wanted to tell it to you, and here it comes. A man named Drobkin is born in a city in the Midwest, and he grows up there. He never leaves. He goes to elementary school. His whole family, his parents and his brothers and sisters, are all right there. And he not only goes to elementary school, he goes to junior high and high school and college. Same town. Same town. And he goes to the local university in the same town to go to medical school. The same town. And he goes there, even his graduate medical school. He becomes the greatest neurosurgeon the world has ever seen. Dropkin grows up in this place, and he goes through everything in town there. And he's very, very successful, and he deserves it. He's the greatest neurosurgeon in the world. And he is asked by his local temple, who is hosting a big festival of neurosurgeons, and they, they they say to him, would you please address the crowd there? And at the time of the show, and he says, I'd love to. I'd be very honored. Thank you for asking. And he writes... A great speech, the best thing he's ever done. It'll take about 20 minutes or a half hour, but, but he's fine with that, and he's got it all written out and typed up and edited, and he's he's ready. And he's all dressed up, and they're in the main sanctuary, the main hall of the temple there, and the place is jammed. And he's up there at the podium with the microphone, and there are a few people sitting on uh, on the dais there with him, a few to the left, a few to the right. And he's introduced, and, and uh, he gets up there. And uh, so please welcome Dr. Drubkin And uh, he gets up there, and wouldn't you know it, as he walks up, he just trips a tiny bit, just a tiny bit, just stubs his toe in one of the chairs and drops the speech he's giving. Well, he doesn't get thrown a lot. He doesn't... He doesn't care. He says, how do you like that? That's just life. That's the way it goes. And he bends over and, and, well, picks up the speech and starts to order it again. And as he bends over, wouldn't you know it, the way things happen in life, his lower intestine explodes. Well, I don't mean literally, but his he evacuates and makes a sound that we all know, you all know, it's been in a thousand movies but it's a it's a it's a real serious gassy lower intestine sound, and it's very long. It's six seven seconds long, which is very long for a sound like that, for an event like that. And wouldn't you know it? Times two, as he he does it as he's bending over, and his whole back end is right up against the microphone for the speech. And folks, it it just creates such a huge noise and such a huge sound, wilder than anyone has ever heard or dreamed of. But once again, you know what, Dropkin doesn't get thrown easily. He picks up the speech, he reorders it, a small smile is on his face, and he decides not to think about that right now and he starts to give his speech, and he gives his speech, and he does it even better than he thought he would, and he thrills everyone there, and he's so knowledgeable and such a great neurosurgeon that he actually changes their lives. He makes them better. He makes them better with what they're going to do with all this money, and he finishes that speech. It takes almost a half hour, and as the applause rises, he waves, smiles, nods. And then he walks off stage and keeps going. He was so humiliated by what happened before the speech and by the sound his body made and by how close he was to the microphone there. And he just walks out of the building and into the parking lot and just gets into his car and drives off, doesn't say goodbye or thank you to anyone. He was ultimately a hero of a speech giver, and he just gets in the car and leaves. Folks, he leaves town. That's how embarrassed he was. He leaves town completely, and at that point, he goes to another city 10 states away, and his his whole family is still there, but he goes to another city meets a young woman, they start going out, they get married, they start having kids. He becomes and continues to be the greatest neurosurgeon in the world. He builds his whole life in a city far from the one he grew up in. Ladies and gentlemen, 40 years go by. 40 years and he's never been back home since. He just couldn't do it. He just can't face it. And His mom, God bless her, gets sick now, and she may not make it. It's 40 years later, and he himself is in his 70s, and his mother is in her 90s, and he realizes, this is silly, I've got to see my mom, I'm going to see my mom, and I'm going back to my hometown. Well, he's just still so embarrassed. He changes his name. He goes to stay in a hotel. And, he, he, you know, he doesn't use Dropkin anymore. He just he calls himself Weinberg. And he goes to the hotel. He stays there, calls for room service. This is the night before he's even going to go home and see his mom. And, well, the waiter comes in with the food for room service. And the waiter says, uh, here you are, sir, as he's setting it up. And he says, uh, have you ever been here before to our city? And, uh... And Dropkin says, "Well, actually, I I grew up here. I uh, was born here." And the waiter says, "Get out of here! Really, you you were?" And 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 he says, "Yes, I was born here. I went to school here. I went to every school here. I went to college and medical school here. I taught here, and I, I it, it's just been uh, well, well, it's been a long time uh, since I've been here." And he starts to mumble a little, and the waiter says, well, "What do you mean, a long time? How long?" He says, "Well, it's." Uh, long time it's it's well it's it's more than 40 years now i i have you haven't been back in 40 years no and i my mother isn't feeling well and i knew i had to come back and and i i just uh, frankly i'm a little embarrassed why didn't you ever come back says the waiter how could you stay away that long and he says you you know what I, i i i never mind i can't i can't tell you and uh it's it's personal, but it's something I'd I'd rather forget. And I'm just here. I'm going to see my mom, and I'm going to see. Well, my brothers and sisters still live here, and they have families. But that's that's all tomorrow. Right now, I'm just glad you brought this good food. And the waiter says, "Well, wait a minute, though. But when you, you need you need to come back more often." And and the, and. And and he says, well, I, but I, I, I didn't. I, I've come back now, and I don't even know how long it's been. And and the waiter says, just think about it for a second. How how long has it been? I, I don't even know. And the waiter says, all right, look, was it before the dropkin fart or afterwards? <laughs> That's a pretty good joke, isn't it? That's a classic shaggy dog joke of, I've told you about before, of you can add anything you want to the story, you can say what kind of operations he does, you know, where the kids, his kids go to school, but after all that, and just humiliated, embarrassed, had to change his name just to stay in a hotel, couldn't face anything, and hoping it had all washed under the bridge, and now the waiter just says, apparently it's such a huge event in the entire life of that town. They call everything before the dropkin fart or afterwards. Well, I think that's a great joke. And you know what? It's on a site you can go to that, my friend Reiser told me to go there. This is Paul Reiser, whom you know from all sorts of things, as a comic, as an actor, and, and so many things he's done as a writer. And it's a site he recommended called Old Jews Telling Jokes. That's the name of it. OldJewsTellingJokes.com. Now, if you go to that, it's it's something that's been set up for a while now, I think a handful of years, and it's... Men and and women, but ninety nine point nine percent, I think, are probably men. It sounds about right that way. Of uh, you have to be over sixty five, and they'll tell a joke, and uh, they'll tell. They're all well. It's old Jews telling jokes, and so this one, I think, was Max. I think it was Max Bushman. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, but this is a good joke, and it's called Drobkin. And uh, I hope you like it. I don't mind telling you, it was mighty fun to tell. And uh, so there we are. I hope you enjoy com. And that leads us to my second favorite part of the show, which is the poetry corner. Yes, that's right. It's so wonderful that a poem follows a joke. I don't know yeah. why. I... I You know, but I just think it's neat that after a great joke like Drobkin, after enjoying telling it, you get to follow with a a good poem. And this one is written by Maya Angelou, who herself, I believe, I was saying to the colonel just before, didn't she just pass on? And I think she did just a few months ago, somewhere between a few months and a year ago. And... Uh, She's written many, many great things. And uh, this is a poem called Alone. Lying, thinking last night, how to find my soul a home where water is not thirsty and bread loaf is not stone. I came up with one thing, and I don't believe I'm wrong, that nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. Alone, all alone, nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. There are some millionaires with money they can't use. Their wives run round like banshees. Their children sing the blues. They've got expensive doctors to cure their hearts of stone. But nobody, no nobody, can make it out here alone. Alone, all alone, nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. Now, if you listen closely, I'll tell you what I know. Storm clouds are gathering. The wind is going to blow. The race of man is suffering and I can hear the moan because nobody but nobody can make it out here alone, alone, all alone, nobody but nobody, can make it out here alone. Isn't that nice? So, thank you to Maya Angelou on that one, called Alone. And that brings us to, well, Frankly, another great work of art, the magic movie moment for this week is one I saw just a couple of days ago on uh, TCM, Turner Classic Movies, and you know what? It's perfect for a magic movie moment because, oh, Lord, I've seen it 50 times, and I love it every time, and this is one of the first times I was lucky enough to see it was coming on, and I thought... Well, I don't know if I want to watch the whole thing, but you know what? I did. I let it come on, and I just watched it right through to the end, and I loved it. Every second of it. It's from 1953, called Shane, one of the greatest westerns ever made. Directed by George Stevens, and what a cast. Alan Ladd, Gene Arthur, Van Heflin. Ben Johnson, Edgar Buchanan, Brandon DeWilde, so many others, folks. What a great cast. And Elisha Cook, Jr. is in this also. But good Lord, folks. And I mentioned a couple of things. Edgar Buchanan, you would know because he played Uncle Joe on Petticoat Junction. He must have been in a 100 movies in the 30s and 40s. Edgar Buchanan, and I only learned about him as a kid watching Petticoat Junction. And there's Uncle Joe. He's a moving kind of slow at the junction. And uh, then when I got older into my teens and early 20s, well, my friends and I, being young men, thought there's got to be more of a coincidence using the word junction there, a moving kind of slow. But you know what? Edgar Buchanan turned out to be, oh, he's great in everything he does. He did great comedy and great drama, like this movie Shane. And Ben Johnson is in this. What a great actor, Ben Johnson. If you've ever seen The Wild Bunch, oh, what a movie worth seeing. Another great Western with William Holden, Ernest Borgnine, and uh, Warren Oates. And Ben Johnson, good Lord. And in any case, though, Shane is a classic. If you've seen it, you know. But good Lord, folks, see it again the way I had a chance to do from the beginning. And you'll see the way stories used to be told. What a great Western this is. What a great story about men who try to change their lives and meet each other. Men and women who just become friends and care about each other. Folks, it's a great, great movie, and there's a magic movie moment in it for me. There are many magic movie moments in this one, but I'll tell you what. Folks, this one sometimes, as you know, a magic movie moment can be a great kiss or an expression of love or somewhere where a lesson is learned, but I'll tell you what. In this this movie, when Alan Ladd, playing Shane, decides finally to strap his old gun on again and go into town and make a stand that protects everyone, the two bad guy brothers are running the whole area there and trying to just push out all the young farmers there with their families, and they've hired... The great Jack Palance, Jack Palance, to be their gunman who's a very, very... Wow, he's a great actor anyway. And by the way, this was in the days when he his, his casting name, his real name was Walter... Jack Palance, excuse me. But Walter Jack Palance was so great in this, and Shane comes to town to face all of them. And he goes into that bar, and folks... There are times in Westerns where you just don't really care where they make them look tough. There are times in Westerns where you just really don't care if they've learned a couple of gun tricks where they can flip them around. And there are times when all the clichés just don't seem to work for you. But I'll tell you what. They work in this one. And... When Alan Ladd, as Shane, faces them and beats them all in such a way and gets wounded by one who was hiding, but he beats them all and kills them all. And then, folks, he takes a moment just to look around briefly, and then there's that shot of his hand, and he flips the gun, and he twirls it forward, twirls it back, and then right back in the holster, And the only reaction you're going to have is the one I have, which is, whoa, it's so well done. And it makes you think of every good Western you've ever seen. And it delivers on every good moment you ever want. Oh, when he and Van Heflin have the fight, because only he, says Shane, can go into town and face this. Everyone else has a family family. Everyone else has kids. Everyone else has a wife. And only he, Shane, can pay this price. And I'll tell you what, that's my magic movie moment for this week. When Shane goes to town, does his duty, and then when he wins, which is thrilling right there, because it's so right, and when he does that, and they have that side... Hip close up shot that we all know, and the gun goes twirling blah, 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 this way, and he twins this way, and you realize, holy mackerel, he really is good. He's the best. And he was the right guy to come to this valley and to save them all. And folks, that's when the child, Brandon DeWilder, says, He he was good, wasn't he? That guy, Jack with the Winston, the gunman. And uh Boy, that Alan Ladd, was such a good actor, he says with that with that low voice that uh he was fast, fast on the draw, but the way he does it is so good, folks that's a magic movie moment to me. so watch that sometime. see Shane again sometime, and if you haven't seen it, good lord s h a n e Shane, from 1953, sit down with it sometime. Open a can of soda or a can of beer and have a bowl of popcorn. And you know what? I'll bet you won't touch any of those. You'll just be watching this thinking, wow, he looks pretty good. I wonder if he is. He is. And you know what, though? That led me to something I saw today. You never know how news is going to affect you. I, I I don't even know what news is anymore. I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't think we have enough exposure or information on really bad people, evil people who run these things like this like the well, the cutting the head off group in the Middle East and uh, you know what, sometimes I don't think we have enough information. Sometimes it seems we have too much information when you don't really care. And I saw this today before I came over here on uh, on the Internet going to the New York Post, the newspaper, the New York Post. And you can just click onto it. And they have, of course, you know, a good setup of how they show their stories and how they have their titles and how they uh, have their segments. And there was one title to one story. And I'm just going to read it for you. I have uh, Colonel Jeff printed it out. Because I called him right away. I said, can you get this up there? Can you, can, can you get this on the screen? Because I don't know how to send these things. And I, sometimes I do it correctly. Sometimes I don't. He said, yes. I said, can you hold that? Can you freeze it? Can you print it out? Can you do whatever you have to do? And he did. So I'm looking at this now. And this was the, this was the title of the article. And it is, Brawl Erupts After Groom Paw's Waitress at His Own Wedding. Now, there are some times when you need a bigger explanation, and you need an explanation for that one, but that title sort of, well, what's the cliche? It says it all. Brawl erupts after groom pause waitress at his own wedding. Now, this is outside Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and by the way, it's a true story. This is not like Newspapers that print things like aliens come to Earth and, and kidnap five nuns. You know, what? it's not just made-up things like that. I don't know whether that's ever happened, but I think it's made up. But this one is true, and they had on it, they had on the site I went to, they had a local news report from the big-time anchored station there in Pittsburgh, and it was the lead story. The colonel pointed this out. He said, you notice this is their lead story. They had another thing about someone getting a head cut off, but they didn't go with the lead on that. They went with this. And, you know, you have to ask. Brawl erupts after paws waitress at his own wedding. There are so many things you want to. And, the, by the way, the first line is, a groom became handsy, quote, unquote, with a pregnant waitress. Pregnant, no less. She's pregnant. The waitress is pregnant. And very pregnant. At his wedding. It's your wedding. There's so many things. Every part of this is, you know what it comes under the heading of? There's a great difference to me in the English language between what and wait what. And what I mean is, I may have mentioned this before on the show, but asking what to something is usually... Not subtle, and it's usually well, very brusque, and it's usually tough. For instance, if someone says to you, "Hey, I checked again. Uh, the tickets aren't a hundred dollars; they're two hundred dollars." You might just say, "What? What?" It's usually an angrier kind of response. What? But wait, what is much stronger, much stronger, because if you, if someone says to you, "Here, re- you know, l- read this title of this story." brawl erupts after groom-paws waitresses at his own wedding, you might just say, wait, what? And that is far tougher than just what. Wait, what? Means you just can't absorb it. Wait, what? And that's the way this whole story is. Good Lord, the picture of the guy... You know, there's so many things I don't understand about American life, everything we do every day. But you want to say to this guy, so it didn't strike you that this is your wedding and this is where you got married and they had the reception in the same place, which was on a boat, by the way, on a river in western Pennsylvania. And it says, get this. And he saw this waitress, who's very pregnant and working. She's not there to celebrate your wedding, you dope. She's there to make a couple of bucks for her wedding. And then it says here, and tried to pour alcohol down her throat, then resisted arrest after getting into a fight with her boyfriend. Wait, what? So, again, it's, wait, what? Now, you just got married a couple of hours ago. This is your wedding. Mark Williams, 33, of Crafton, was charged with riot, harassment, and resisting arrest Monday in the altercation during his wedding cruise aboard the Gateway Clipper. They always have great names. Why wouldn't they? A boat like that? Sure, give it a great name. Now, the uh, according to a criminal complaint, he grabs her several times, then scuffles with her boyfriend. Gee, really? Whom she had phoned after the boat docked just before 1 a.m. Now, get this. The groom's brother, off-duty state trooper David Williams is accused of assaulting two Pittsburgh police officers called to the scene. Wait, what? That's another wait, what? Wait, you're you're the you're a state trooper and you didn't help the police, you you beat them up. Wait, what? And then he gets arrested too and faces the same charges as the, as the groom plus Obstructing Law Enforcement and Disorderly Conduct. This is the... It's unbelievable. And by the way, state police spokeswoman Maria Finn confirmed that the trooper had been arrested during the reception. She said the trooper has worked for the state police since 2003 and is assigned to the Kiske Valley Barracks, about 30 miles northeast of Pittsburgh. He is on leave, she said. Really? Imagine that. He was on leave before the wedding. This guy, and again, to see the pictures of these guys, you want to say, really? Do you guys get to wear flags on your uniforms? Because you know what? You don't deserve one. And this is my favorite line in the story, by the way. A third man at the wedding reception is charged with punching out the window of a parked car. I just think that's fabulous. He came out. He's drunk enough to be mad. And by the way, he was a big-time local school board member. He is, this guy, the third guy. And this is not the story that they had on the news. And he, as he's being arrested, first of all, he says, Well, where are the police? I want to beat someone up. No, no, no. The brother already took care of that. Oh, okay. Well, where's the waitress? Maybe I, I could fall for her too, and I could go. I, I could try and kiss her. No, no, no. That's handled by the groom. What's there left? Oh, uh, I don't know. Maybe just go over to a parked car and punch out one of their windows. Oh, okay. I can do that. Unbelievable. The 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 waitress's boyfriend acknowledged fighting with Williams, but wasn't criminally charged. Police said. First of all. Thank goodness for that because you know today things are so crazy. That guy could have been charged also. But I'm just glad he wasn't, folks. It's it's you get on a boat, get married and have a party, but can't it just be that? It made me think, what's the wildest wedding I've ever been to? What's the wildest wedding you've ever been to? I mean, the it, it just gets to a point where, I mean, holy mackerel, folks, you want to say to these people, how was the meal? Meal? What meal? You know, do you realize how how much you have to drink to get that stupid? And I mean, you and I have had too much to drink before at weddings. I was wondering, what do the people working these weddings see? How crazy have people gotten? If you're a wedding worker, whether you're a waitress, a bartender, waiter, anything at all, whether you set up the tables, whatever you are, what do the people working weddings, how much do you have to work at weddings? Two years, five years, nine years, to where, you you know, if someone says to you, on a Thanksgiving, for instance, says, do you ever see anything crazy at a wedding? Oh, don't even ask. Don't even start me. Because, you know what, let's just have a couple of drinks and watch the ball game. Because you can't even imagine. And I, I wished for a second I wanted to know why don't aliens land at these weddings this crazy? I wish they did, but they never do. If an if a group of aliens landed and saw a wedding like this, where the groom grabbed the pregnant waitress and then his brother punched out the local police, the aliens would have to say, this is the wrong planet for us. And then they'd leave. But they don't do that. They always They always landed a quilting bee and said, we can take these people. So I thought to myself... You know, this is, you know, and the colonel had said this too, sometimes in craziness in life, there's the kind of crazy you laugh about the next day, and this isn't it. And it made me think, looking at the picture of the groom, what kind of a groom has a goatee? At a certain point, this guy is so off, off the beam. But I was thinking, folks, What's the wildest thing that's ever happened to a wedding I've been to? And you're probably the same. It's not like this. No matter how wild it gets. I remember one of my friends from school got married. He was one of the first guys. And, oh, a bunch of us, you know, 11 or 12, 12 of his friends, we all went there. And phew, I can't even remember where it was. Might have been this place outside Pittsburgh. But, you know, can't even remember where it was. We were all staying in the same hotel. And we got together in one of the guy's rooms after the affair. And we were all a little lit up and someone had a big chest of beer, So we had a few more beers and we started, well, we were just laughing, telling stories and just being together. There's about seven or eight of us in the room there. And I got, you know, I got yelling at someone. Someone yelled at me. We were all close friends, too. But someone yelled at me and then. I yelled back at him, and i he threatened me. I threatened him. And then he hit me on the head with the chest of beer. But this was not a styrofoam chest of beer. This was a Coleman chest. Now, you know these chests. Empty. They're 40 pounds. And with beer in it, this guy picked up the red and white Coleman chest and cracks me on the head with it. And, well, I went down like a puppet. You know, I just went right down and out. But he cracked the chest on my head. That's how hard I was hit. Now, I'm not talking about being tough. I'm not tough. He's not tough. Well, tough enough to throw someone, you know, risk someone's life with a Coleman chest. But I'm telling you, folks, the next day they carried me back across the hall to my room. I think we were all staying two in a room or something like that. And they just put me in the bed. That's the way, that's what happens when you're 23 or 24 years old. You know, how is he? What do you mean, how is he? We put him to bed. And uh, the next day I woke up. Boy, my head hurt. And I went in and kind of just uh, doused my head under the sink, did a quick shower up. We all got together downstairs in the lobby for some breakfast. And everyone said, hey, hey, how are you, Wild night?" They looked at me. You know, I I looked like I had been a roadie for a motorcycle gang. I I had a... It wasn't that bad a lump, but it was a lump. Not bad enough to go to the hospital, but if you glanced at me from about 15 feet away, you'd say, what in the world happened to you? Now, that was kind of the wildest wedding I had been to. Well, we all got a little lit up, and, well, we all had some... Oh, yelling and we all got some egg rolls delivered on room service around two in the morning and that's about it. We didn't do anything. We didn't cart any of the furniture outside and put it in the parking lot. I don't know why I used that as an example, by the way, but that's about as wild as it was at another friend's wedding from school. I met a girl there and I liked her and she liked me. And obviously, we're all single at this point. I mean, I feel like I had to add that. But she and I liked each other. And I was in a, well, a fancy suit we all got, a tuxedo. And uh, she was in a fancy gown that they had all gotten. So we were all weddinged up as far as the dress goes. And, well, she and I and all our friends had a bunch to drink at the affair. And... I don't know how, I can't remember how, but she and I decided a stroll into the woods near the lake there would be a good idea. And it was, because the grass was very soft. It was very wet, but very soft. And, well, we sat down on the grass, and then, well, we started started to hold hands, and and, uh, then we were laughing and having fun. And uh, then we... uh, well, we did whatever you would do in the same situation. And I thought, now that's pretty wild. She's in a gown, I'm in a tuxedo, and then parts of us were not. And I'm just saying that after that, we pulled our clothes back down and tied them back up, and I went with her. We, got, uh, we went back to the bar and food area, because no one cares. You know, first of all, all our friends didn't care. No one said... Hey, you look a little disheveled. Were you just lying on the grass? And uh, we had another beer or two there. And then I just went back to her room with her. And we kind of uh, just slept in the room. That's right. It was at a school because we were in the uh, single cots. Uh, it wasn't a fancy hotel with, well, regular beds. And you know what? We cuddled up and slept together and got up smiling and did the same thing. Uh, jumped in the shower Then went back to my room and put my jeans and such on again. But that was not wild, but that was kind of wild. Thinking, gee, how do you like that? I guess what they say about weddings is true. Whatever that is. Whatever they say about weddings. So you know what, folks? If you have something you know about a wedding you've been to, send it to us here at LarryMillerPodcast.com. And check out that story In the New York Post, if you feel adventurous, the one called Brawl Erupts After Groom Paws Waitress at His Own Wedding. And one way or the other, if you like the show, tell a friend. Because that helps us, and it helps us go, go, and keep growing. And you and I already know the same things. Homer is Homer, and Pluto is a planet. And remember, as always... If you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won, and that is still the truest thing I know. Be well, and we'll see you here next week. Wait, what?